Hey, your worship, I'm only trying to help. Would you please stop calling me that? Sure, Leia. Oh, you make it so difficult sometimes. I do, I really do. You could be a little nicer, though. Come on, admit it, sometimes you think I'm all right. Occasionally, maybe, when you aren't acting like a scoundrel. Scoundrel? I like the sound of that. Stop that. Stop what? Stop that. My hands are dirty. My hands are dirty, too. What are you afraid of? Afraid? You're trembling. I'm not trembling. You like me because I'm a scoundrel. There aren't enough scoundrels in your life. I happen to like nice men. Nice men. the reverse power flux coupling. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, you're perfectly welcome. I saw him. I saw him. Saw what? Star destroyer threw him coming right at us. Sir, sir. Shut him up or shut him down. For my ally is the force and the powerful piety. Impressive. Most impressive. I love you. I know. There is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Now. That boy is our last hope. No. There is another. Hello, dear listeners, welcome back to the James Bond Complex, the podcast where we would discuss and rejoice and analyze all the shapes and forms from Fleming to film and everything in between. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jason Kim. We also have our fellow, our fellow Edgar. Ooh. I'm, 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 I guess I'm another fellow. I'm fellow Matt. The other fellow. This never happened to the other fellow, but uh, <laughs> as, our special is going to focus in one of the, and from Fleming to film and everything in between. And how are we going to, how does this, how does today's episode correlate to everything in between, guys? I don't know. Today, you tell me. <laughs> I think this week is a little bit of a, would we say it's a cheat? I mean, if you've downloaded the episode, you know, we're talking about Star Wars episode five, colon, The Empire Strikes Back. Or the Empire is it, Strikes is, Back, right? Empire Strikes Back. Is it a bit of a cheat to say that we're doing this because it's directed by Irvin Kirshner, who directed a non-official right, film? Got, Are we cheating? We no, no. Actually, no, we got two Bond alumni in this thing too. 
Yep. Say say one match. Say the first. You got you two had the pleasure of meeting oh, that fellow, I, but I did not. I've I met one. I've seen the other one, but uh, Jeremy Bullock, it, Mr. The OG Boba Fett, not the current Boba Fett. I've so I met um, uh, Mr. Jeremy Bullock, and also uh, we met uh, Julian Glover. We actually Glover, have huh? yeah Julian Glover. We mm-hmm. we have a picture with him. Uh, he's nice. He, he was signing a lot of Star Wars stuff when we went to his table back in God, 2019? 18, 2018, 2018. 2018. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. That's the first year. Yeah. So like when when he when you guys met him, like I felt like did you guys didn't you guys say uh most of the questions at the for because yeah, I saw you guys recorded the form with him. Like most of the questions were Game of Thrones or Star Wars or Indiana Jones related, right? Probably Game um, of Thrones more so at the because like at the time when it was the show was still in its heyday. There are a few Doctor Who questions. I remember that apparently was on the show back in the, the old days, not uh, the current version. Uh, people asked about mm-hmm. that, but yeah, it was mostly those movies. There is a third uh, Bond alum in uh, Empire Strikes Back that you guys that you didn't mention is uh, is. Uh, well, I guess he was, he's sort of an alum because he worked on the film itself too, is uh, Bob Anderson, who was the fencing coach, the British gold medalist fencer who was the fencing coach on Die Another Day, was one of the stunt doubles for Darth Vader. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, you we, we haven't met the, that one, and I've never seen that one, so he doesn't count. But, the other tie-in is uh, like the ghost of Obi-Wan shows up. That's another time, just like the ghost <laughs> of Vesper overshadows all the freaking Daniel Craig movies. So there's and another that, tie-in. They, they shot those films in England, so just like the Bond movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, tons I of mean, tie-ins. <laughs> I mean, I always wonder. That, I, I mean, I always wonder that. So Julian Glover went from filming that. Uh, I forget the exact studio name, but then not. Too, it's not too far from Pinewood Studios because I actually drove past. L Street Studios, and then, uh, and then immediately he just went back to. Well, he didn't film anything in Pinewood, but or not much in Pinewood except the, the his death scene. So like he went from filming in England and straight off to Greece to film for your eyes only. Well, he had the time to grow the goatee, so give him maybe like six months, thirty six months. He grew the goatee, and hmm, I'm a Bond villain now. But yeah, so we got a bunch of alumni and stunt people. There's probably some, you know, behind the scenes and people at the who time work of- on the sets, uh, some of the props maker. I'm, I'm assuming all, you know, they, they, they made those movies, the, the original Star Wars in England primarily. So I'm assuming everyone worked on them. So I think it's a legitimate detour. Oh, yes, absolutely. And then this episode is being is released today on May 4th. 2022 which is the 45th which is the which will almost coincide with the 45th anniversary of star wars a new hope and which was released i think in may of um, may the 4th it was it 22nd 22nd may 25th no may 25th 1977 was the original release date but you know like it's still the 45th anniversary of may the 4th be with Mm. you yeah and may the 4th be with you as well and with the listeners (laughs) How about we just go through the Star Wars, not the Star Wars movie, but, you know, you know, Star Wars is a big movie. The franchise is a big movie. And, it, it, you know, there, there are movies, there are pop culture phenomenons, but everything is sort of evaluated on the scale that Star Wars built uh, in, in the 1970s. I mean, all 
it's the blockbuster that begot, begat all blockbuster. You know, there's Jaws before it, but that's you know, it's light years ahead of, of Jaws, and it stayed the number one movie. Light for, speed ahead of Jaws. Yeah, <laughs> for a decade, and it's uh, you know, it's a we're, we all uh, were born '80s, grew up in the '80s and the '90s. Um, so, what are your when, when was the first time you saw anything? Star Wars about Star Wars. It was it a movie? Was it a, a toy? What was the first thing, your first memory of Star Wars? That's a great question. I like. I really like that. Um, so, by the way, I mean, I'll, I'll reveal myself. So, I'm 33, about to be 34. So, when I was in second grade in 1996, 90, the year of 1996 to 97, uh, my mom bought me, my mom bought me a stormtrooper costume to for Halloween. I had no idea what Star Wars was at the time, but, you know, the costume looked cool at, at the store. It's a def defunct uh, store like Walmart called Ames in the, in the 90s. And I bought the costume, you know, dressed up. My friends thought it was really cool. And and my and I had to ask my friends, what is this costume? And, he, and I had to ask my friend, like, what this costume? And he's like, oh, it's a stormtrooper from, from Star Wars. And then, and I really had a lot of fun with that costume. And then As a result, my dad bought me the VHS trilogy, VHS trilogy of the original of Star Wars in 96-97. And, mm -hmm. and I was completely uh, inspired and mesmerized by A New Hope at the time. And although I did not watch the original trilogy in the theaters because I was too, I was not born yet at the time, but I, I watched them in consequential order to the point where, uh, you know, like a Star Wars New Hope, I was excited. Empire Strikes Back. I left feeling, you know, like with with all the stakes, with all being invested in all the stakes for the characters. And I remember because I was watching them weekend after weekend. And and after I watched Empire Strikes Back, I went to my friend who told me what a stormtrooper was. And I said, hey, is Luke, is, um, is Darth Vader really Luke's father? And he's like, I won't say it. And, then, you know, and I'm sure that's how the audience <laughs> felt for, I'm sure that that's how the audiences felt for three years in between the gap between Return of the Empire and Return of the Jedi and that whereas my gap was only one week and my friend and I was like come on tell me is Luke is Darth Vader Luke's father and that you know me being the second grader and then yeah, he, he wouldn't buy oh he wouldn't budge and thankfully he did it then were you were you particularly distressed uh during that week between viewings of Empire and Jedi was was it always on your mind because you're you're a young boy you're seeing our hero maybe being lied to, or maybe facing a horrifying truth? What, what was your mindset? Uh, you know, what were you feeling? How did that affect you, Jason? Oh, no. I mean, I was definitely distressed that, you know, I was just like, and I was like, oh, man, I can't wait till Friday when I can come home and watch Return of the Jedi. And that's, that's, that's all I waited for that entire weekend. Uh, at the time of, uh, at the time, and I watched that trilogy, like over a hundred thousand times uh since 1997 and most majority of the majority of the viewings came, that's that's a lot of star wars majority of the viewings came in the late 90s before i even got into james because i wasn't into james bond at the time so i was able to indulge in star wars a lot more because i didn't have anything else to watch and then and eventually star wars led me to getting in the indiana jones because that same second grade year is when my dad took our family to Disney World in Orlando, and you know, I did. We did the MGM Studios, which had all the Star Wars rides. Star Wars. Oh, yeah, the exhibit, Star, Star Wars store. Yeah, st yeah, Star Tour. Yep, that's exactly what it was. And then at that same park was the Indiana Jones 
stunt show. And and then my dad, my parents explained to me that the actor who plays Han Solo is Indiana Jones. And my dad already had the VHS of the original Indiana Jones trilogy. So I naturally went from Star Wars to Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Probably wait. Can we go home? Can we go time. see Indiana Jones? I'm going to see Indiana Jones now. Let's, hell with Disney. I want to see Indiana Jones because he it's on total and he's not in space. But yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> I I'm envy you because the original Star Tour, uh, it, you know, is something that as a kid I was I I've never went. I still haven't been to uh, those attractions, but it's something that I I wish I I got to enjoy before they revamped them and turned into something else. But that's uh, that has to be one of your favorite childhood memory, I imagine. Oh yeah, for sure. And then after that, uh, I as a result of watching those film those six films like in that same time period. So this is before Tomorrow Never, I got into Tomorrow Never Dies or Gold 964 and got into James Bond is uh, I bought every single Star Wars toy I could find in Star at, at Toys R Us. But a Millennium Falcon, because Han Solo was always my favorite character, like everyone always wanted to be Luke Skywalker. I was like, no, I want to be Han Solo. And then I bought as many Millennium Falcon toys I could get, whether it's big Millennium Falcon where it could open up or, and pretty much every micro machines and back then star wars had this uh had this thing where like the characters faces opened up and it was like a set from oh one yeah of the movies. The, I, um, I, I don't it? remember what the, that that kind of toy line but it was sort of it's not micro play because that's a, another yeah. story but you had the face and it you had a little yeah. base inside the face yeah mm-hmm. mini figs so, yeah so i had like i got got it of c3po which which was a set of the the escape from Jabba the Hutt's when the Millennium Falcon escapes from Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, one of the stormtrooper masks. I forget what the set was, but then I also got the Darth Vader one, which opens up to be uh, what Luke and Darth Vader dueling out in the Cloud City, and it, it's a scene mm-hmm. where the the window cracks and Luke you know flies out. Okay, with mm-hmm. the little ledge thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I I I know that reference. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Edgar? What's your first uh, when I say Star I, Wars? I, I wish brain? I had. Uh, I wish I had as good a story as Jason to tell. But the honest to God truth is, I, I don't remember what my first Star Wars memory is. I, I do have um, the vaguest recollections of, of of being over at uh, maybe a babysitter's house and and she had rented the films on on vhs naturally back in the day like i i do have vague recollections of that but i couldn't offer with pinpoint accuracy what my first experience with star wars was i would say i became um but but i did like it a lot as a as a child and uh, i guess Right up until I was about 13, 14, I still liked Star Wars quite a bit. I had maybe um, a handful of the um, continuation novels, not many, but a handful. I don't think I read all of them. But, you know, there was a little, not super long, but there was a little chapter there where I liked Star Wars quite a decent bit. But uh, alas, I cannot say uh, what my first experience was. Uh, Do you remember yours? Uh. Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, did did you get into Star Wars before Bond or after Bond, like I did? Man, uh, before, I, I didn't. Know. I couldn't read or write. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than, than you guys, and my probably my first memory. I'm, you know, I can't be 
100% sure because I mean time is uh, like a river when you're like uh, five or six but I remember um, they used to have those box cereal box CPPO cereal boxes you had the uh, Luke Skywalkers and you could like so, sort of cut up cut out a mask mm -hmm. and I remember buying those cereals and they were horrible by the way uh, I remember getting a, a Empire no Return of the Jedi toothbrush with Luke Skywalker in his black outfit but from 1983, but I first, you know, I, I caught it on TV and I remember watching it with my parents. My, my dad started taping the movie because like, I couldn't, like, it was late and I was so blown away. I used that tape uh, 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 to the point where, you know, it was, it was getting ruined by, by overplaying mm -hmm. it. I, I caught Empire later, but, you know, for years, I didn't know where there was a, there was a third one. And as a child, you know, you're not you don't know media there's no internet in the 1980s mm -hmm. I, you know there's not that many books i can check i i'm basically uh i don't know what's happening <laughs> eventually mm -hmm. i remember it uh you know super you know the in the states it's probably a, a hbo you know they they pay-per-views like pay views, but you know they, yeah, yeah. they every every once in a while uh, i think it, it it was a yearly event they uh unscrabbled the the, the the channels for a weekend and i remember being excited because my mom showed me oh look it's a movie and it's the actor who plays luke skywalker and he's sort of uh, in a swashbuckling pose and he's he's carrying like he has a woman in a bikini and I, I I looked at it I'm like mom I, I I think it's Luke Skywalker I think it's a Star Wars we look it's Princess Leia and my mom went oh it's, it's actually Return of the Jedi and I caught that's the way I caught uh, Return of the Jedi and I remember the 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 um, the following Monday, every kid at school was sort of playing in the playground, but with only one glove because Luke Skywalker gets uh, his uh, uh, prosthesis and uh, damage, and he hides it on a in a glove. Uh, you know, I've played the uh, the RPG uh, game. I've you know I played many video games of Star Wars. Uh, I did buy action figures later, but never played with them because back back in the eight, late 80s, they stopped making them. And I, I had cousins that, and I've seen uh, some of the original toys. I remember seeing Jab the Jabba the Hutt playset in uh, in a store in Canada, in Zellers to be precise. Uh, and I, I, I was like, oh my God, it's a Star Wars toy. But it, they were all sort of on clearance, I, I imagine, in 86, 87, they were get, getting rid of them. And you know, I remember the resurgence in the in '90s, the continuation novels. I never got into continuation novels. Uh, the RPG was kind of fun. Uh, I played a few times with uh, some people, but the video games, I've, you know, I've uh, fought the Battle of Hot so many times. I destroyed the uh, Death Star so many times in so many ways. Both mm. both Death Stars. Uh, you know, Star Wars is very important in my life in my childhood development and i'm happy to say that my little nephew my two old nephew i'm starting to introduce him to star wars and his fav favorite character right now is chewbacca uh and he always wants to see clips of chewbacca and he goes Baka. Baka. okay I, i'm glad that you brought that up i'm glad you you know segued into the toys and video games because uh you know about the time when n64 came out gold night i mean all our, you guys and all our listeners have played Golden Out N64, and the three most played 
games that I played on N64 at the time in the late 90s were GoldenEye N64, Shadows of the Empire, which was one of the first, I think, which was the marketing game for N64 at the time. And and Mario, I mean, obviously Mario Kart 2. And, uh, mm-hmm. and the last game was Rogue Squadron. I loved mm-hmm. that game. And, and then, uh, like I said, I'm a huge Han Solo and uh, Han Solo and Millennium Falcon fan. So I always put in the cheat code farm boy so I could just fight the Millennium Falcon at any level. Like I like there's a one of the levels it was Battle of the Hoth, and I I said screw it, I'm 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 gonna go with this uh Millennium Falcon in the Battle of the Hoth instead of the Snow Speeder. I mean, and man, that, I'll tell you like Battle of the Hoth levels in many of the video games are some of the hardest. Like whether it was in Rogue Squadron or lego star wars on ps2 i mean i know like there's been many iterations of lego star wars but they're at the core of it they're all the same and i love mm. all i love all the lego tying games and and i remember the hoth battle was one of the was always the hardest like getting their uh hook around the att walkers was just just took forever i remember there was uh this ironically this is much later in life it might have been in the last decade or the last 15 years more or less probably one of the last games i ever played uh, and one of the last systems i used there was a game can't remember what it was, but, uh battlefield battle battle battlefront that, that, that was a good that was a good game yeah, battlefront that was pretty good that was pretty that was, good. That that was, was a little bit good. wild there was one in the was, early uh, 90s called dark dark force or dark forces that had a bunch of um, uh, film cutscenes and they were using film actors in the some of the star wars outfit if you if you're interested and curious you really check those out i, I remember as a mm-hmm. as a teen it it, 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 it made a little mind but um yeah no the, the star wars games it's especially at that sweet spot of late 90s uh, up until like mid to mid 2000s yeah there's so many good games like battlefront i've played countless hours on that Mm. um yeah and then i I mean i know like everyone has their own opinions about the prequel trilogy but i will say the pod racing game on n64 was one of my favorite games oh it's it's a good game i still own that i'm never getting rid of that of that like i I got my (laughs) ship and i i'm so i'm so happy with how it performs uh mind you i haven't played in years now but still not and then uh for my friend's birthday uh and because my friend's a huge i have a lot of friends who are star huge star wars fans obviously and uh for my friend's birthday i bought him uh, the lego set of the pod racer so i bought it in 2019 so it's a 20th set 20th anniversary set and he was really happy that i bought it for him oh, that's and, so then, and then uh, i guess for our listeners uh most of you guys most of our listeners know that i'm an engineer but i went to school no i don't think they know i don't think they know. i don't think we've ever mentioned that on the show ever before but anyway uh so uh i went to i went to a very nerdy school called georgia tech and you know like I mean, it's it's a technical uh, institute, a, tech, a research technical institute. So ninety percent of the kids are majoring in engineering or computer science, or you name it. Not mm-hmm. not so much the liberal arts. And uh, one of the unsaid rules of Georgia Tech is you had to, have, especially if you were in one of those majors, was you had to have come into that school having watched all three or all at least all three Star Wars at the time, because I went from 2007 to 2012. So before the Disney purchase, obviously. So, and uh, 
and it was a rule that the dorm hall had to watch each of the movies together you know okay together as well too and then i remember like and then so there were a couple people like uh, granted some of them were not in the technical or science majors that said they never had watched star wars or they're you know foreign exchange students and and that was the shock of a guest if you did not watch if you had never been exposed mm-hmm. to star wars before coming into that school yeah, I mean, these poor, uncultivated uh, um, foreigners yeah. who've never seen Star Wars before. Or just like, or just uncultivated people in general. Like, I remember <laughs> the worst was, the worst Whoa. was this one, the worst was this one kid, uh, and he he's American, by the way, and he was an aerospace engineer of all majors, and he said he had never seen Star Wars Top Gun, and I was like, I want to smack him in the face at that time. <laughs> I was, uh, hey, I was d- like, what Jason- inspired you? Don't give in to hate. Hate leads to anger. Anger leads to the dark. Don't do it. Stay on the light side, Jason. <laughs> I was uh, like, Hot. you know, I, 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 you know, I, I'm not sure if I watched the right movie because you know, you see, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm drinking tea with my Mister Spock, Captain Kirk. The wrong star. Uh, I got my. <laughs> Starfleet uh, communicator. So uh, I, I mean, we're talking about Star Trek, right? Motion picture. That's the one where we're, we're talking. We're not. Uh, we don't. We don't go on treks on this episode. We oh, go to wars on oh, this yeah. episode. <laughs> okay. So uh, what's the? I, I, I don't. Can you tell me the plot of the movie? Because I obviously I, I didn't watch the right one. Right. I, I don't even know why I wrote one. It's not like anybody listening to this has never seen this movie. But anyways. So a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the middle chapter of the original Star Wars trilogy opens with Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, and Han Solo chilling on a remote planet with the Rebellion after their successful assault on the Galactic Empire's Death Star. Luke and Han are performing reconnaissance duty in frigid weather when the young wannabe Jedi makes a frightful encounter with a space yeti. Meanwhile, back at the secret rebel base, as troops prepare for what feels like an imminent empire attack, Lan and Hea's sexual tension begins to boil. Luke escapes his captor, leaving the monster disarmed. While making his way through a snowstorm, he receives a quick ghost Zoom call from Obi-Wan Kenobi, who implores Luke to head to the Dagobah system in order to, to, in order to continue his training in the Jedi arts with one Master Yoda. Han eventually locates his friend and brings him back to base HQ, just in time for a ferocious attack by Darth Vader's lethal elephantine tanks. Luke and his rebel companions do their best to leave their attackers tied up in knots, but the Empire's forces are too strong, forcing our heroes to flee separately. Luke heeds Obi-Wan's advice and arrives at a real dump, a swamp-like planet where he and R2-D2 make the acquaintance of Yoda, a teacher who proves once and for all that size matters not. Meanwhile, Han, Leia, Chewie, and C-3PO, C-3PO, C-3PO flee Empire forces in the Millennium Falcon through asteroid fields. It is during this time that Lord Vader, after the latest firing of an Imperial officer, puts his thinking cap on with the Emperor himself. Together, they devise a plan by which Luke would be turned to the dark side, thus making 
an unholy trinity. Luke's training with Yoda is arduous, both physically and emotionally, and the food sucks. As for Han and the rest of the gang, they make their way to a mining facility with the heavenly location of floating among the clouds, where they hope to rely on the assistance of an old friend, Lando Calrissian. Little do they know, Lando is inconveniently in league with Darth Vader, who holds Luke's friends hostage, puts Han into cryo-hibernation, and hands him off to a bounty hunter. The Force calls out to Luke to help his friends, where a dangerous lightsaber duel erupts between the protagonist and Vader. While Luke demonstrates that his knowledge of the Force is impressive, most impressive, Vader, oh, I love that line. <laughs> Vader ultimately prevails, cutting to the chase and revealing that he is Luke's father. Despondent and confused, the young protagonist amazingly opts for suicide, uh, but fate... Suicide. Suicide. But fate or the force saves his life. With his life hanging in the balance, Leia, Chewie, and new ally Lando rescue the young Jedi with the Falcon and rendezvous with the Rebellion. After licking their wounds, our heroes make plans to rescue Han Solo, restore peace and justice to the galaxy, and last but not least, ensure the return of the Jedi as credits roll. And thus ends episode Star Wars Episode 5, colon, The Empire Strikes Back. Or L'Empire Contre-Attaque, or The Empire Strikes Back, or in Korean? Yeah, it was just called... It was just called Empire Strikes Back phonetically. So. <laughs> oh God, I'm so disappointed. Yeah. And then, uh, what is it? Uh, and it was the tagline used by none other than the recently knighted Sir Elliot Carver for one of his headlines, or it was called The Empire mm. Will Strike Back and Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> See, right. everything is connected to James Bond. Got a Tomorrow Never Dies tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> Arise, Sir Elliot Carver, for his great contributions to the expansion of British tabloid media. Lord Carver. Great job. Arise. So, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of casual fans, a lot of film critics, general moviegoers, movie lovers, are very quick uh, to claim that Empire Strikes Back is either their favorite or the best, or they use both terms in the same sentence interchangeably. Uh, maybe just to get the ball rolling here, uh, for instance, Matt, it is The Empire Strikes Back your favorite Star Wars movie, and why? No, it's not. It's not my why? favorite movie. Because uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I, pref I prefer the original. I think that the original as uh, as a looser feel, even with the uh, the special edition that you know, I don't go into too much into the, that, but it, there's a looser feel. There's a space trucker vibe that I like about the original. It feels a little bit 
little bit rough around the edges. It's, you know, can see uh, on Dark Vader, Dark Vader, I'm going, I'm going to say it in French, Dark Vador. Um, Dark Vador. Dark Vador. Uh, there, you can see the smudges on, on his helmet, you know, and not everything is mm -hmm. shiny and perfect. There's a, there's a, a quality uh, sort of um, uniqueness to that movie that none of the others have. You know, they, they weren't thinking about uh, that universe building even though they were universe mm -hmm. building they didn't you know they were just going to make this movie because the, the first one more or less stands alone uh by itself i mean I, I you see the original star wars and you feel like you've, you've experienced the entire you know the entire film uh the entire story you could mm -hmm. do a spin-off spin novels but you know it feels like a complete story uh and an empire isn't it's not a it's it's a middle chapter of uh, of a bigger narrative so it's it has that against it but you know it's probably a better made film but it's not my favorite can i say that it's not my the best so it's not my favorite film it. but it's probably I'll the best it. film it, the direction is light years ahead uh, on empire than was in the original um the actors are a little bit more seem more comfortable in in their role it seems like there's a stronger control of the narrative compared to Star Wars, it's it's looser. It's sort of I have this crackpot idea that I'm not sure if it's gonna work, but you know I'm there, I'm gonna try and get all those technicians to make the best movie I can, and you know the Empire mm -hmm. is just a better made film. Mm -hmm. Is that an answer? Uh, I'm feeling generous tonight. I'll allow it. Uh, how about you, Jason? Where would you stand with uh, The Empire Strikes Back? So I used to say, when, at least back when I was in that Star Wars phase, Return of the Jedi was my favorite because it was the story that concluded it all. But mm -hmm. as the years went on, Empire is without doubt the best, in my opinion. Like Matt said, it's a better made film. And it really put all the... It put. Uh, it's a story that put like everything at stake for all the characters and you really felt it and and it's and as the story that puts everything at stake uh it's like one of the it's one of the very few words the second is the best film such as and it, such as with godfather part two the dark knight or lord of the rings two towers like everything is at stake for all the characters and and so like you're so the audience is extremely invested into it and i think and i credit that to uh irvin Kirshner, uh who himself was a professor of screenwriting and photography at University of Southern California. And, and I think, and another thing that, another reason is I, and like I said, Han Solo is my favorite character in, in the Star Wars universe. And I guess my biggest, my bigger complaint about Return of the Jedi as I got older was that that was clearly like a Luke and Vader story, whereas in Empire Strikes Back, each character has just the amount of screen time to, there is like no singular main character, like, like in the in the prequels or Return of the Jedi or the sequel trilogy, like Han, Han and Leia, Luke and Yoda, Vader, they all have their own stories within the same film and get enough screen time to propel the story forward. Yeah, the, the, the three main actors feel like co-leads in Empire. The, unlike Jedi, which, I mean, it's, uh, it's Mark Hamill is the dude and... Uh, and is also there, and so is Princess Leia, and their love story feels. I don't know. It's 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 a sloppy sloppy movie. Uh, it's my least favorite of the original. I mean, and I, mean, I still like each of the original trilogy a lot, but and then uh, 
And to add on to it, I think this was by far Harrison Ford's best performance of the three films. And like he was just the, he was, I loved him as this like conniving, like cynical scoundrel as he, as they put it. And he, and I always have to remind all, I mean, I think George Lucas, one thing George Lucas never really understood is like Han Solo was never supposed to be a good guy. And he tried to make him a good guy to sell toys, but no, he's, he's supposed to be a pretty shitty person that he just apparently happened to, you know, like to look up to. And Mm -hmm. I boot, and because of Harrison Ford's like very strong performance, uh, I heard Steven Spielberg at the, because this was in 1980, uh, Steven Spielberg said uh, Harrison Ford's performance in Empire was the reason why he, he want really wanted to cast Ford as Indiana Mm. Jones. Interesting. In the Lucas, you know, when he presented that idea, Lucas, you know, said no, rebutted that. And then eventually we all know the story about the, the, the four Tom Selleck. It was pretty much the same story as uh, Dalton and Pierce Brosnan in the late 80s. And then Ford eventually mm-hmm. became the iconic Indiana Jones that I can't see any other actor play. And I can't really see other any other actor play Hansel as well as he did. I wasn't aware of the story of Steven Spielberg seeing Harrison Ford specifically in Empire Strikes Back and saying, that's Indiana Jones. Uh, I, I may, perhaps that's common knowledge and I'm just out of the loop, but that's the, actually the first time I hear that story. That's that's kind of interesting, actually. Because like, Indiana, of, no, go ahead. Because like Indiana Jones, like Han Solo, isn't supposed necessarily a good guy because like, um, because at the core of Indiana Jones, he's also, like Han Solo, he's also a mercenary. So like, mm-hmm. like, like, like Humphrey Bogart and Treasures of Sierra Madre, both of them, both Han Solo and Indiana Jones, that is, and, yeah. and so that's so that's why uh, uh, so that's why Spielberg was so convinced with Harrison Ford at the time. But go ahead, Edgar or Matt. I I, I, <laughs> I never thought we'd bring up the name Humphrey Bogart on this podcast. That pleaseth me. Um, I, I, my my thoughts on Empire Strikes Back. It's interesting. Uh, a few moments ago, Jason, you brought up uh, something else that uh, I wasn't aware that Irvin Kirshner was a professor, you said professor of uh, photography, among other things, at uh, university. Pho- yeah, photography and screenwriting. And, screenwriting. and before and, uh, before that, he also worked as a documentary maker for the U.S. Department of State. Interesting. Well, I, I would say among those titles uh, that adorns his curriculum vitae, uh, I would say it, it's his uh, professorship as, as a photographer that strikes me the most as I watch the Empire Strikes Back, and, and not just on yesterday's viewing. I, I felt this for quite some time, and I, I'm going to bridge that knowledge you just shared, Jason, with what Matt, what you said earlier, that it's probably the best, it's not your favorite Star Wars movie, but it's probably the best made mm-hmm. Star Wars movie. And I'm going to bridge those two notions and say, yeah, like Irvin Kershner directed the heck out of this thing, uh, you know, despite whatever reservations I might have about the plot, and I think my reservations align with with what you were saying earlier, Matt. It's a really, as far as craftsmanship goes, lighting, sets, special effects, the score, the editing, the camera movements, just the craftsmanship of big budget Hollywood filmmaking. It's it's, I mean, it's borderline an impeccable film. Uh, just as far as the craftsmanship goes. And I think that's what really struck, strikes me with The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the film strikes me 
back uh, with the photography. I, I'm always, uh, a couple summers ago, I had the privilege of seeing this movie on the big screen. You know, it was COVID summer number one as we head into number three. Uh, and, you know, nothing was playing. So the, the, the main chain here in Canada was basically just playing oldies, uh, oldies but goodies. And I went to see Empire Strikes Back. I had nothing to do. Nobody had anything to do. And uh, I remember the, the scene where um, Luke leaves Dagobah and you have little puppet Yoda and, and ghost Obi-Wan behind him. And there's a lot of light because the ship is leaving. Then it's dark. And then there's a red light on Yoda. Then there's like a white light that's moving because the X-Wing is flying away. I remember seeing that going like, yeah, you have to be really particular about your lighting details when you're making a movie to think of stuff like that and not cut away to keep the camera exactly where it is on Yoda and Ghost Obi-Wan and sort of have the lighting evolve and have the lighting tell us what's going on off screen. Um, I think Irvin Kirshner is a very talented director in that respect. He's a great visualist. I think that's my main takeaway with Empire Strikes mm -hmm. Back. The, my favorite, speaking of lights and the movie magic and lights, my favorite set of the entire film is probably the uh, the uh, carbonite, carbonite, carb carbonite uh, uh, smelting chamber. Uh, frostbite, yeah. Fire, mm -hmm. carbon uh, frostbite. Yeah. yeah. If you watch that movie, it's, and even the behind the scenes picture is just fantastic because it's all metal rods, but there's nothing. So they just fill the room or a a gigantic set, black space, probably black, mm -hmm. black uh, velvet all around with smoke and lights, and it creates this sensation that you're in this empty room, like an empty chamber. It is, it is really like when you start paying attention to that set, it's really bizarre. Like it's smoky. You don't see uh, exactly. You don't see the behind sort of the metal frame it is really bizarre but it you know the lights on the steps sort of the the the, the blue the blue the orange you know they are doing orange oh, yeah. and teal before orange and teal was a thing uh when Darth vader shows up and they're they're doing the the, the um, lightsaber effect differently than they did in the original series so they're able to do more uh, complicated moves with the as well for, for the for the fighting it's just mm. oh god it's it, it i got, i rewatched it last night and i was like so transfixed by, by that set like you can see a lot some of the effects don't have not aged well uh some uh, are honestly very very dated uh, some of the green screen there there's not that many because they use different techniques and they're still using sets but that 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 entire sequence in the chamber is mwah, everything that happens there is just mm. my favorite thing about that movie i'm glad i mean to segue into that uh, so so i practiced kendo and yaido and i for several years and uh what's yaido so it's just so kendo is it's more of a sport base where uh, it, you you deal with bamboo swords, mm -hmm. whereas Yaido is like you actually use the real sword to like you know okay. practice drawing and practice strikes. So it's a much more, okay. it's a much more technical martial art than it is uh, like uh, athletic martial arts. But from someone who has done fence and I've done Western fencing, I've only fenced with epe, lepe, but uh, having done you know like trained in swordsmanship for several years, uh, I always have to say that the the carbonite uh, 
duel between Luke and Vader is still the best, is the best and the most accurate choreographed uh, lightsaber duel in the entire series. And people will say, oh, like, yeah, sure, it's not as dynamic as the Darth Ball scene, but that's also not Kenda mm. Yaida. Yeah, but, but like, it's all, it becomes a dance after a while. It's not yeah, a fight. This yeah. is a, a, a fight. Actual, actual duel. Like the strikes, you can see like Vader's. Uh, he's playing with at first with with mm. Luke Skywalker is really like all too so, easy. Because like I was just watching, I was rewatching the fights. I mean, I rewatched the movie this past week, and you know, really focusing on that duel and like the way Vader and Luke, or Mark Hamill, and I guess David Prowse, the stuntman, was holding the lightsaber, like using the right hand on the top grip and as the because like when you hold a sword you hold the right you know you always hold your dominant hand typically you're even if you're left-handed you always hold your right hand on the top of the sword and your left hand on the bottom Mm -hmm. and so your left hand is supposed your right hand is supposed to be the driving force no right Mm -hmm. hand supposed to be the the direction and the left hand is supposed to be the uh the driving force of the of the strikes and the way Mm -hmm. the strike way the lightsabers never went were angled when they rose it up and never like went too far back behind their heads, but like, was that was at like a 45 or like 60 degree angle at, at all times. Like I was, I really appreciated this fight. And- <laughs> almost like, um, almost like you speaking of uh, Kendo and Yido, it's almost like samurai poses sometimes where yeah. they'll have those economical strike, which you know, as we know, Lucas, I know Lucas didn't direct this one, but Lucas obviously had an influence on Empire. You know, Lucas himself was a big fan of the Kurosawa films and the, the hit, Seven hit Samurai and all that stuff, Hidden Fortress and whatnot. I mean, so it, it's not surprising that there's a little bit of that Samurai influence. Is it Vader Hitter holding the, the saber one end at the beginning of the fight and Luke is holding it with two hands and just Vader's just... Yeah. Yeah, well, Vader's so strong. That is a nice touch. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up, Matt. He's Vader's so, like you said, he's toying with him. His his yeah. Vader's movements are very economical. He doesn't have to tax himself very much. Whereas, yeah. I mean, you know, Luke looks like he's gonna shit himself almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah I mean, like so. I mean, the, the Star Wars films in its core were inspired by Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, which also, and in that film, there was no Luke Luke or Darth Vader, but the Toshiro Mufim pretty much played a Han Solo, like a mercenary who looks after mm-hmm. these two idiots who were obviously would become the inspiration for C-3PO and R2-D2. Vader's yeah. all, entire like helmet looks like a samurai. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, but I've heard that the Vader's helmet was actually inspired by the Nazi SS troop helmet. Mm. Possibly. I mean, look, Probably, it's, uh, art influences life, life influences art. Uh, but yeah, there, there could be I'm gonna, something. I'm going to ask you now, who did the SS took their inspiration from? Probably the Japanese and their, their somewhat culture. Maybe. Oh, Maybe. I, well, I'm not sure about that. I, I will comment on that. But uh, speaking, of, speak, speaking of helmets, uh, my favorite set in Empire Strikes Back. What's your Back favorite in- helmet in Empire Strikes Back, Jason? <laughs> My favorite, uh, I mean, probably the snow, snow, the snow stormtroopers. But my favorite set in Empire Strikes Back is definitely the Medi- Vader's meditation chamber. So I, I always like oh, yeah. found, I always found fascination with that because like you don't see Vader's head because like when we see that we're like, oh, Vader's actually a human being inside behind the mask or the costume, and then like we don't see his face. And it's we're like, creepy, oh. and it yeah, is. it's real. 
it's really creepy. It's perfect, but it's it's creepy when you see the back of his head. You're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and uh, and we see that a couple of times, like when he's like communicating with his officers and whatnot. And I was like, wow, this is actually so like so like you you want to like continue seeing the rest of the rest of Vader, but then it's like the Irvin Kirshner shows you just enough to get your interest and in, get your intrigue in, but not too much to oversell himself. And and that sequence, and I'll, I'll jump off of, of your your point there, Jason. I felt that was, and that was yesterday uh, afternoon. I was watching the movie. That's another scene where I felt Kirshner's hand, confident and adept hand, is being felt because there's. I'm going to do my best to describe it, but we sort of we zoom in a little bit of that little chamber. You know, it opens up like a cocoon. It opens up. And Vader talks to one dude, like, you're going to do this. Okay, boss. Then Vader <laughs> turns around because he's going to have another Zoom call. And then, like, the, the, the chamber opens, like, the, the widescreen shot is, is, is um, tall enough that we see the cocoon open up a little bit more and we zoom in. So we're almost with Vader in the cocoon on this Zoom call. Um, it's little details like that that I was picking up about. I, I think I just forgotten, maybe never say never again, like didn't help, but I've forgotten that that Irvin Kirshner is actually a pretty good director. Uh, I mean, so everything, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, I think never say never against, uh, you know, a watchable film overall, but like my biggest, my, my always biggest complaints about that film were, all the strengths that you guys all mentioned for Empire Strikes Back, cinematography, garbage, and never seen there again, and some of the special effects and the miniatures, like were just so. I mean, granted, like it's not, I don't, I wouldn't put the blame on Kirshner himself, but more so, uh, Jack Schwartzman because he was a terrible producer, terrible producer. Mm-hmm. But I, but how? So like rewatching this movie, I was like, man, I was like, so how could someone, you know, fl- I mean, granted, there are some directors who really alternate between good and bad films, like. Like they like David Ayer currently, but uh, but I was like, wow, I was like, how I was like, everything that was good about Empire Strikes Back, like he didn't trans trans translate that into Never Say Never Again, like and and one of my and you mentioned cinematography and sets a lot, and one of my favorite shots of Empire Strikes Back is like when Luke is flying into Cloud City, like like the cinematography, like the way like the background, the Cloud City background is like. It's just so clear, and you see the uh, mm-hmm. and the cameras are so transfixed on Luke's X-wing. I was like, "Wow, that's actually one of my favorite shots of the film." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's filled with a wonderful, wonderful shot. There, there are a lot of moments in this movie where you could like pause the film and like do a high definition, you know, pristine print of that shot, and you could just make a poster out of it. There, there's a lot of that in the Empire Strikes Back. It's, it's very, very, it's, you might say it's impressive, most <laughs> impressive. And I've heard, uh, and then some further behind the scenes information, like obviously this movie went through a lot of script changes uh, and the most famous one of them being always uh, when Han Solo is about to be put into the, the carbonite chamber, uh, Princess Leia says, I love you. And then the original line was, I love you too. But then Harrison Ford improvises and says, I know just this. Daniel Craig's Bond says, I know. Daniel Craig's final lines as James Bond were, I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, uh, hence the meme that I sent you guys last night. Hmm. 
Oh, right, 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 right. Um, there, there's, it's, along with being, with this film being showered with praise by many fans as being the best made uh, Star Wars movie, uh, the score to this son of a gun uh, by John Williams. Uh, I, I, I do, it's, you know, John Williams rarely errs astray when he's doing work on Star Wars. And I can't really comment on the sequel trilogy. I'm not the biggest fan of those movies. And because of that, I've, I've never delved into those scores. I, I couldn't really describe those scores to you. So I'll, out of diplomacy, I'll, I'll set those aside and just not touch them because I don't know them. But um, man, this is really good work. <laughs> this, is, this is insanely good work from John Williams. I mean, there's some iconic stuff in this. I mean, so so I I had the great so after we after we three saw a casino in concert in Toronto a few months after that in Atlanta I saw I watched with my one of my best college friends uh, Empire Strikes Back in concert and mm-hmm. and the way the the brass instruments like played the Darth Vader's imperial theme was just amazing it was just yeah. like when vader steps into the hall he's like don 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 i was like oh my gosh and 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 obviously when this the title you know the plot synopsis rolls in in front of star wars like when when the conductor was conducting the iconic star wars theme uh, john williams star wars theme like everyone was just clapping because it was like wow and we're actually like seeing this play live in in person how about yeah, you, Matt? Well, that, that must be quite a good one. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's let's let's, uh, let's get Matt a little bit. Let's get some Matt action in here because Matt loves John Williams. I know that. Yeah, I love it. I, you know, I, I like John Williams like everyone, but you know, <clears throat> the problem sometimes, especially with those types of uh, movies, is that it's music all the time. There's like there's not a moment that isn't manipulated by music in some shape or form. I don't mind it, but I, I was paying attention to it. I'm like, oh, there's music here. You could have done something else. There's music here. And sometimes there is no music and you pay, you pay attention to it. But um, I really like, it's really probably the, the, the of all the Star Wars films that has the most, like it's constant music from beginning to end. Like uh, there's the, the, like the only scene I can think of that does, that's very little music is in the uh, in the um, the ice cave with the wampa ice monster. Like there is, but there's still some some music there. Um, even when he's in Dago, this, Dagobah, there's some quiet moments, aren't there, on Dagobah? Not that. Like, there's there may be some like, like when he's talk, when he's talking with Yoda, I guess in the, in, the there, in Yoda's hut. There's a lot of music there too. But I mean, my favorite cue is at the end when the camera pulls back and it's so emotional. And it's, it's you know, when I watch the movie, I'm exhausted. I don't need to jump entirely in, in, immediately in uh, into uh, Return of the Jedi because that movie has, uh, there's an emotional cost to that movie. You're, you're sort of exhausted because it's a, it's a chase for, for, for Han and Leia and Chewbacca and 3PO throughout the movie Luke learns some horrible truths everyone's sort of defeated destroyed and ba- like they barely got out of, of the thing and just the music is very soulful but there's there's still some hope but there's there's uh 
you know, they, they grew in that adventure. Like Luke Skywalker, he's still brash. You know, I like my, oh, I want to get some power complainer, Luke. Uh, I, I like him. White complainers? Yeah, I, I like the immaturity that he, he has in the first one. He loses that in uh, in this one. He still will. You know, when, um, when Yoda tries to tells him, oh, you don't go fight him, you're not ready. And he's like, oh, no, I have to accept my friends will die. And even Obi-Wan says, you nobody uh, knows what, what's going to happen. Uh, if you go uh, destroy what they fought for, you might. Or I don't remember what he, remember what he says, but uh, he, at, by the end of the movie, I mean, he got his hand chopped off. Like We, ne we haven't said that, but that as a kid, it traumatized me like my my main hero being an amputee just what the mm -hmm. hell like it's, it, it, especially mm -hmm. you know, I, I, the star wars movies are, are, are fairy tales so it's it's uh, shocking mm -hmm. it's still shocking like 40 uh some 40 odd years later to see luke skywalker 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 <laughs> My, my tongue slipped a little bit here. Uh, get his end uh, cut off. I, you, there's nothing to me. I mean, especially I'm right-handed. This, this is my drawing end. Uh, I, I'd be like, I, I'd probably consider suicide if I lost my my, my drawing end. Uh, to be to be honest, I'm like, oh my god, it's. Uh, but you know, they they gave him a nice one. They're not as these are the nice one that look like flesh, not the, like in the prequels where they look like giant robot ends. Um, so I don't know. That, that's 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 those are my thoughts on the music and the imputation scene of uh, Luke Skywalker. I've been reading a lot of like reviews of the past and present, and at the in contemporary 1980, the reviews for Empire Strikes Back were very mixed or more negative because of all the reasons you just named because like the hero doesn't succeed and you know they're all the characters are kind of like defeated or burnt out then mm -hmm. i mean great and a grand a grand now it's now empire strikes back is a movie that's inducted into the library library of congress but at the time like it, the reviews were not favorable at all and i always joke to myself i was like well the sequel i mean matt i want to hear matt's immediate answer is uh well uh well, the sequel trilogy by Disney was not very well received in its contemporary time as well, either by the fans and critics, you name it. And I always wonder, in 30 years' time, will the reviews be favorable for the sequel trilogy like it was for Empire Strikes Back? No, because they're shitty movies. <laughs> I mean, even the prequels, some people are trying to reevaluate them and give them some values, but... They're, they're they're shitty they're shitty movies. Uh, I don't think the especially the, the sequel trilogy. Don't get me started in the sequel trilogy, but yeah. there's a reason I got rid of almost all my Star Wars stuff since I've I've saw the, the, those movies. I just it just it it soured me on Star Wars so badly that I can't like eventually I think I'll have I'll buy Star Wars like figures or something eventually i'll get around to that i you know i got around to rewatch the original trilogy with uh with my my my, my nephew my steps step nephews but um it's it, uh, no 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 they're they're bad <laughs> movies they're 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 just corporate driven there, there's no heart to it there's, yeah that's that, that's the best way to say it. i agree with that and that this was something i found very interesting because i mean right now i mean lately uh i'd say the i mean it's pretty 
it's pretty arguable that uh the the franchise that has made almost equivalent cultural impact in today's society as star wars is mm-hmm. the mcu marvel the marvel cinematic <laughs> i mean granted like the films are some of the films some films are better than the others like cons- but considerably such as like infinity war and endgame are some of the best i mean infinity war and endgame are considerably some of the and the recent star spider-man are some of the biggest fan favorites and just like endgame uh i i heard uh david prouse so the actor who so so for our listeners david prouse was the actor inside vader but james earl jones is the one who voiced inside him. vader mm. inside the vader costume and that i heard david prouse was like kind of like tom holland in that he he was known for like revealing spoilers like offhand like you know like at a at a bar or at a social junction. So uh for Empire Strikes Back, uh they gave David Prowse the wrong because like I heard an end game, just like an end game, uh Tom Holland was told that the last scene that the, the cast is gonna film is a funeral, I mean is a wedding, and then it turned out to be Robert Iron Man's funeral. And and he didn't know that until like he actually saw the film. He's like, oh I thought this this was a wedding thing the, the entire time. But um and just and similarly, David Prowse was given a wrong script or or modified script, or actually him and actually everyone got the the modified script, modified script except for for Mark Hamill, Irvin Kershner, and Lucas. So like those were the only ones who knew that. So everybody's script said Darth Vader's line was Obi Wan was your father, but then only Luke, I mean Lucas Hamill and Kershner were given the script that says Luke, the iconic it, Luke. It I was, am your it father. Was, uh... No, uh, Obi Wan killed your father. That's that's what he was saying, but now he says, "No, I am your father." Yeah, that's a great, uh, great, great little moment. It's 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 uh, I mean, it's know, the it's, most iconic. It's the most iconic moment in the movie. Go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. it's 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 weird. It's it's one of those things. Like like I look, we weren't around in 1980, so God knows how people reacted to that. But it's. For whatever reason, maybe it's because we're so used to Star Wars or so accustomed to Star Wars and there's so much love and, and praise showered onto this film in particular that we sort of just accept that twist. But when you think about it, like in how many other TV shows, spinoffs, movies, other IPs, that that sort of a twist sort of makes the audience like eye roll, like, oh my God, are you kidding me? But they did it first they did it yeah exactly they did it first so it's like hey that's very soap soap opera yeah it is it is very soap opera it's very soap opera but they did it first so they called shotgun and and they they called lightsaber and 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 they got it they got away with it and then another kind of like that moment i realized i realized i don't that most people don't talk about as often but i kind of realized last on my recent viewing was uh when Luke leaves the Dagobah system and Obi-Wan Kenobi says, he's our last hope. And then Yoda says, no, there's another. And, and I was, and I, when I watched that scene, I was like, I just couldn't like get myself to like realizing how brilliant that was. Like now that we know the Star Wars culture, like, and how it plays out. And I was, and I was thinking to myself, well, how did the 1980s audience think about that? Or, or like, who were they thinking? What were they thinking? It was Han or, I mean, I'm I'm sure most people didn't think it would be Leia. What would be the other? Thing. I don't think anyone, even George Lucas, didn't think it was Leia back in yeah. the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Well, I don't know. There is, uh, I was, I was actually, it's funny you mentioned that uh, guys. Uh, I was, I briefly thought about that yesterday as well uh, as I rewatched the film. And there's that little moment near the end when uh, Luke is sort of hanging on these, these, uh, what the hell are those thing, things? Yeah, he's hanging for dear life on, on the Clouds, Cloud, Cloud City. City yeah. And he sort of calls out to Leia and she hears it. Uh, I, I wonder, did maybe Lucas have, you know what, maybe it'll be Leia. Did he, had he decided officially that it would be Leia? God knows. But maybe he said, I'll give myself a little out here. Maybe it's Leia. Because uh, otherwise, why would she... Um, it's easy to say this now because in Return of the Jedi we learned that they're siblings, uh, so hindsight is twenty twenty. But I think that's an interesting choice to have Leia hear that call through the Force or through whatever the hell. Do sex, uh, Makina. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, could but, be, could be. But you know, to me, it you know when I was a kid, I don't remember what my thoughts were on that. I know the special edition because you didn't see. Darth Vader sort of walk out of Cloud City, take his little ship. You only saw the Imperial shuttle in Empire uh, in uh, Jedi. You never saw it in Empire Strikes Back. That's a special edition add-on, and it's yeah. weird because I rewatched it in French, and the original uh, voice actor who dubbed Vader for the French dub probably passed away. So suddenly, Darth Vader has an entirely different voice. You're like, what the hell? Um, oh, in English as well. I, James Earl Jones sounds like a much older James Earl <laughs> like Jones. Like 20 years older? Yeah. 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 Get my ship ready for... Well, I'm like, what oh, the yeah, hell? No. You weren't talking like that two minutes it's, ago. Honestly, it's, a, uh, it's such an annoying addition. To... I, mean, I think uh, Empire, from the three original trilogy, Empire was the least egregious with the with the special... Yes, Because yes. like, I didn't... Because like, yeah, the, the shuttle, I was like, I was like, wait a second, I don't remember the scene. And I was like, oh, but I mean, it worked naturally. And then the Palpatine edit is one of the ones I'm actually okay with. Like, I like the original, like, bad prosthetics Palpatine in the original VHS Empire. But like, I like the new, I thought the new you Palpatine. Know, I, I wouldn't mind the 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 uh, special edition if they uh, gave you the choice. But of all the the three day they read it this is the one that i think works the best could i they're, they're oh, yeah. not egregious like yeah like, I, like you said but the one thing i actually like the cloud city sort of extension they made it sort of a bigger living city instead of being like white sets all all the time mm -hmm. it's it's more fun i like especially at the end like with the orange clouds mm -hmm. it's it's pretty to mm -hmm. look at um very like Oh, I, I, okay, oh, I want to talk about my favorite character of the entire Star Wars trilogy. And I'm glad, Edgar, in your synopsis, I think you only mentioned him as the bounty hunter. You didn't give his name. Boba Fett. Right, 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 right. I'm, oh, I'm, being, uh, I'm being sarcastic here. Yeah, I'm, you sound sarcastic. I mean, Boba Fett is uh, a bit of a useless uh, character. I never uh, understood the, 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 the fascination that uh, people have for that character. He's a useless character that even in French, I don't think he's ever named. Is he, is he mentioned by name in the entire movie? I think it's only on, on his toy that, yeah, you know, I, that character owes his popularity to the toy more than anything else because he does nothing worth mentioning. He's a, he's a goon. He's a goon number three. He's uh, 
He's uh, you know, his costume. His costume is good. It's cool. So I guess yeah. a lot of people like that. Yeah, people like the costume, but the guy inside the costume is uh, not that interesting. And then, oh god, you know, you guys haven't seen the Disney show. Don't. But it, I did. Horrible. I did. I mean, I, I, I couldn't. Fin- I couldn't finish it. I I, I was honestly so bored uh, all the time. You find out that Boba Fett didn't know how to fight. Be, mm-hmm. after, until after returns to like he gets trained to fight with sticks by the um, the sand people, and he didn't learn how to fight. He got a gun in his hand. Uh, well, apparently he didn't mm-hmm. know how to fight hand to hand combat. He couldn't uh, couldn't fight. You need mm-hmm. just pew pew pew. So, mm-hmm. Oh god, it's it's so bad. The entire time you just uh, I couldn't finish it. It's 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 bad. I hate that character. I didn't. Uh, I didn't think his costume was that good. There's some, you know, I showered uh, the cinematography and and the visuals with praise earlier. There's some shots where we see uh, Boba Fett. Uh, and that helmet's like really disproportionately large to the rest of his armor, and look, he looks like he has a huge bucket on his head. I, I don't. I honestly, I don't think Boba, Boba Fett is very attract, very attractive. It sounds like a strange sentence. He's constantly in this costume. Uh, so in that context, I don't think he's a very attractive character, actually. He looked a little bit ridiculous, honestly. I uh, when he moves, it's, it's when he's just like not moving, he's a good background character. But when you turn him into like a main villain or a lead character, it's just... Like, that's why in the movie, the, the prequels, they, they, they took his helmet off almost all the time because it's just... It's goofy looking. For Darth Vader, I can, you know, there's a skull. This is just like a crust. It's very, it's it's too too medieval. Even those helmets are clunky. And I don't know. I'm not a fan of that character. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the show. Uh, I wouldn't even call him a character. He's in the movie for like 50 seconds. I, and none of the lead, the lead characters uh, ever address him. They never have a discussion. The, I, I think the only moment is that uh, him and Lando Calrissian uh, have a moment where they, they sort of look at each other when Hans. I mean, uh, I mean, they, he has a convo with Vader and he says, uh, "If he's no good to me, dead." And then Vader says, uh, "Oh, the Empire will compensate you if he yeah, dies." But he, he doesn't have like say, "Oh, Luke Skywalker, I hate you. You, you ruin you, you, your kind. Killed my father." I don't know. They have no. He's a goon. He's a. He's uh, you know, what's his name in uh, from Russia with love, the, with love, the, the boat captain from Spectre that's played by Walter Gottel. He's that character. He's got oh, I got a scar. I'm, I'm a villain. Woo! Oh, I got a bucket for a, for a face. I'm a villain. Woo! It's like yeah, yeah. Bucket for a face. He kind of does have a bucket for a face mm-hmm. though. That's the thing. Yeah, well, on the topic of characters that aren't very... I, again, I, I greatly hesitate to call Boba Fett a, a character. I mean, he doesn't do anything and we hardly see him. Um, but if we're going to be generous and call him a character, again, I, I can only go off of Empire. I didn't, I didn't see the TV show. Um, on the topic of characters that I'm not particularly fond of, man, yesterday's viewing really opened my eyes to how much I dislike C-3PO. <laughs> uh, I do not like that character at all. I don't like the voice acting. I don't like his dialogue. I don't like his like smarmy comments. I cannot I, stand C-3PO. I mean, when I, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he was one of the, he's supposed to be one of the village idiots of, of what is it? 
of hidden, hidden fortress, fortress, fortress yeah. But uh, I love like my favorite line is like when they're escaping the Hoth in the Millennium Falcon, and you know C three PO's motions are very limited based on the way he's made. And Han yells, "I mean, like I said, this is more praise. This is more so my praise for Harrison Ford as Han Solo than it is than it is my dislike of C three PO." Is uh, when Han Solo says. Hurry up, C three P. Or you're gonna be, or else you're gonna be a permanent resident here. <laughs> that was one of my favorite I, lines. That, and uh, whenever C, nice. whenever uh, whenever Han Solo is doing something, and C three P. O. You know, keeps saying, uh, you know, your odds of survival, or you know, it's perfectly okay to surrender. And Han Solo always retorts, uh, "Never tell me the odds." Uh, whenever uh, C three P. O. Gives like some very, very, very like minimal like obscure odds uh i like c3po i think he's very funny um he's i like his whininess uh it's funny enough because i i I watched that movie the french dub because that's how i always watch consume that movie and he's dubbed the voice actor is the same that does that that does the voice for asterix in uh the french uh animated movies I, I don't remember the, na- the gentleman's name. They passed away uh, three or four years ago, but he, he was doing the voice of Asterix from the 60s up to until today. And he, in the 80s, and I think he did the, for the prequel for the French, because there's a Quebecois dub, but there's also a French dub of those movies. And I think he did the uh, French dub of, uh, he did C-3PO's voice. So that's who uh, I heard. I didn't hear Anthony Daniels. But to me, it's, it's like Laurel and Artie, like the two droids are are like a comic pair. Like I, I you know, one's the blah 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 blah, blah bad braggart that's gonna. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- he thinks he's cooler than he is, and like R two D two is just gonna be. I'm gonna do this, boop, and upstage right. uh, immediately upstage three uh, PO. Okay. There's so many things like you know we haven't talked about Lando Calrissian. I've met mm-hmm. Billy Dee Williams. We haven't talked about the. Uh, monster in the, the, the giant snake monster inside the uh, asteroid asteroid we I barely love- spoke about the uh hot battle with the snow speeder and the the uh the at&t mm-hmm. um at&t ATTs. they run on high speed internet at i don't know i've heard both imperial walker but you know, I, 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 it's going to be a long episode as it is, so I, I should su- suggest we we wrap things up. Um, personally, you know, if you're going to see one Star Wars movie, watch Star Wars. If you're going to see two, watch Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. All right. I'd say watch watch the original trilogy. That's all, because like uh, there's too many iconic characters. I mean, at least at least I there's. Uh, I, there's a lot of good iconic moments I like in Return of the Jedi to make it a complete trilogy. Watch. And that was the magic that I had as as a eight, nine-year-old kid. Oh, wait a guys, hold on a second. I'm feeling a disturbance in the force. I'm getting a force call. Hold on. It's mm-hmm. coming from oh, there's a Sith Lord not too far from my apartment condo. He's telling me no asking me a question he says do you have people everywhere m white just uh, force contacted me the uh, ever vigilant m white you can't kill this guy he's now a sith lord apparently well <laughs> um, yeah i thought he was dead but he apparently he turned into a sith uh, sith ghost 
Yes, of course. Yes, thank you very much. That's what I've been trying to say, actually. Uh, we do have people everywhere, uh, www.thejamesbondcomplex.com, which I, I guess is still a thing. Uh, but I would say more uh, a more salient uh, place to find us is on our social media platforms. Uh, Facebook, search for the James Bond Complex. Uh, Instagrams, also search for the James Bond Complex. Uh, Jason, you're, you're fairly active these days on that platform. Uh, there's Twitter at The Bond Complex. Uh, we have a YouTube page. Search for the James Bond Complex. Subscribe and tickle us with the uh, su- thumbs up button. Uh, tickle us with your lightsaber. Uh, if you want to listen to us, we're hosted at anchor.fm, uh, Spotify, uh, Baradou Quebec something, Google Podcasts. Why? Uh, and of course, there's the best option, unequivocally, it, this is not open for debate. The best option, Apple Podcasts. Uh, search for the James Bond Complex. Uh, subscribe, write a review, and uh, force will a uh, five-star glowing golden gun review. Uh, Jason, you are uh, like a, you, you're also a bit of a Ronin Jedi yourself on, on Instagram, uh. <laughs> where we can find you. You guys can find my uh, Ronin adventure pictures on Instagram at JASXON88. And uh, on that note, uh, just as James Bond always returns, just as I have absolutely no doubt Star Wars will return in, in some capacity, whether it's Disney Plus or another movie, so too will the James Bond complex. Sur ce, toujours un plaisir. Merci, à la prochaine. Hasta la próxima. Paca, ciao belli. Au revoir. Dach, Jim I got a new one. Me choose two. That's uh, Utties for goodbye. That's from Star Wars. It's Utties. The Java the Hut language. Oh, yeah. oh my God! You said Java me the Hut just ju- said. Ju- me ju- ju- I'm not even sure the pronunciation. But... <laughs> what the heck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> FunTranslations.com/slash Hutties. H-U-T-T-E-S-E. And for the claimants... oh, not not Hutties. You were speaking Hotties. That's what you were speaking, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's translator.eu slash English slash Klingon slash translation for your needs for uh, to speak Klingon. Fair enough. <laughs> the free plug. And we're not sponsored by any of those things. No. <laughs> All right.